A few months ago, I employed some people to be my friends and help me review films. Now, we're like family. And what do families do? Well, they get together at Christmas. Via Zoom, obviously, that, that would be far too many households. Evening, First Minister. Merry Christmas. We watched Love Actually, and this is what we had to say. Love Actually follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. It's our Christmas special, everybody! We've made it! We've made it! Oh, okay. <laughs> Joining me this week... It's the whole 100 team. We've been reunited for Christmas. We've been reunited. So we are here to talk about a staple at this time of year, which is the film Love Actually. So we begin, as always, by asking whether this film was a spirit special or you've seen it before and what your first thoughts on Love Actually are. Let's start with Sasha. Uh, well, yes, I've seen it many, many times. And I love this movie. And I kind of watched it last night and noticed that there are some issues with it. But I still, I think it's great. It's a good kind of Christmas feel. There's lots of love in there, lots of positivity. And I will watch it for years and years to come. <laughs> depending on how much you guys destroy it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who is the greatest among us for this film for sure. Paul, I'm, go I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to guess and say that this is not a spirit special for you. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that. Paul, what are your first thoughts on love, actually? Ah, well, there, Craig, there you are betting against the house because this is 100% genuine spirit special. I've wow. never wow. seen this before. And I normally hate these kinds of will throw in as many big names as possible for two seconds and see how it goes but I actually rather enjoyed this um, for the most part there was a few things that I thought were interesting but yeah yeah for the most part I'm going to say it was enjoyed maybe it's the festive spirit <laughs> <laughs> yeah pinch of salt sort of thing for sure Andrew how about you very much a spirit special for me as well. I wasn't optimistic going in watching this. I thought I was going to hate this film, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought it was great. I think I've got that bit. I've got I've got quite a few rom com things like that where I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate this, and they end up being brilliant. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. So far, so good. Joseph, I had never seen this film before. It was a spirit special for me as well. I was the same as Andrew. I went into this thinking I'm going to hate this. And I, I came out of it nay hating it, but I didn't come out of it loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, it was interesting. V, how about you? Uh, so I'd, I'd seen this movie once before, a long time ago. And how do I say this concisely? Yeah, I hate this film. <laughs> I, I, there's too many things that I, I just hate about it so I, I'll just say I hate it Fair enough, I'm sure we'll get into those reasons later on for sure Greg, how about you? 
Uh, I believe this is the first time I've, I've seen it all the way through. I've only ever seen this in like bits and bats, just like flicking through uh, channels and such. Um, so watching a full two hour and 15 minutes of this, um, I came away pleasantly ambivalent to the whole thing. <laughs> like it happened. There was some nice moments. I think, I think the first line of the film sums it all up pretty well. And it's Bill Nye being interviewed and he's talking about his song. He's, this is shit, isn't it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's, there's a reason you put that first. Yeah. <clears throat> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So this it's still special for me as well, for sure. I have been asked politely for a few Christmases now to watch this, but I have politely declined every year so far. But thanks to this show. Hey, this show actually has been quite interesting because for this season... I think I'm half and half. I think I've seen half the films, haven't seen half the films. So I've watched a few films I never would have expected to ever watch. This is one of them. And I loved it. I, I actually really enjoyed this film. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't think it's Richard Curtis's best work. For me, that's About Time. Shout out to About Time, anyone. If anyone's seen that film, anyone else has seen it, see it. Definitely Bill Nye's in that as well. He's absolutely outstanding in it. Don Hall Gleason, Adams. Great film. Absolutely great film. But you can, you know, I do enjoy Richard Curtis's writing when it's at its best. And there was a few occasions in this film when it was really, really good. There was a, I had a, a few proper laugh-out-loud moments for me, for sure. Um, I'll get to that a bit later on. But, yeah, overall, pretty happy with it. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it. I probably will watch it probably around this time of year, um, yeah, from now on, every Christmas. So, a bit different this week for this episode. As it's Christmas special, things are going to be a bit different this time. So, instead of breaking the film in the usual way, I have randomly assigned each member of the panel one storyline from Love Actually. We're going to go around each one in turn. They've got to tell us about that storyline, what they liked, what they didn't like, and they've got to defend it as though it is the best storyline in the film. We'll then all vote, and we'll see who comes out on top. We're starting with Sasha for Daniel <coughs> and Sam. Okay, well... I think the, the main story is kind of about, they're one of the main stories, and I think they're awesome. Um, David and Sam, there's um, David, uh, sorry, Daniel is Sam's dad, his stepdad, and they've both just lost someone that they really love, um, a wife and a mother. And uh, Daniel's kind of worried that this is affecting him way more than well, I think it affects you very badly, but even more so, because he's always like stuck in his room. And then it turns out Sam's actually just in agonising love. And there's nothing worse than that, is there? <laughs> so Daniel tries to help Sam um, get the girl of his dreams, who everyone worships because she's heaven. <laughs> and I thought it was really cute. I loved how he is like, OK, we need Kate and we need Leo. And this is how we're going to sort this, or at least part of it. My name. I think this brings like a stepfather, stepson relationship even closer because obviously when the mum was there, it was probably more like she was the kind of glue that held them together. And I really liked that. And then um, because this whole story happens, uh, Daniel ends up with Claudia Schiffer. Sam finds out that he's an absolutely amazing drummer because he only learns it in two weeks. <laughs> And um, we get a lovely airport chase scene at the end where he tells a girl that he's never spoken to that he loves her, even though they don't actually see that happening. So I think that what more would you want from a film or characters? 
Better so. airport security. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down she's going to miss her flight when, when, when she went to, when she came back. Yeah. Anyone got a rebuttal to that? To what Sasha has said? What are people's thoughts on the Daniel and Sam storyline? Yeah, let's crush this little child's visions of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of things to say. Given, well, Daniel's played by Liam Neeson, and given Liam Neeson's track record with dealing with like young children around about the age of 11, the last time he had to deal with a young child around about the age of 11 in a film, uh, that child ended up to be Darth Vader. Um, so I don't think... <laughs> I really don't think that, um, you know, it's a good relationship because let's face it, um, at the end of the day, he's going to start drumming. Next thing you know, drumming leads to fear and it leads to hate. And then it leads to suffering. And next thing you know, you've got another Darth Vader who still looks <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> that's my I don't, think that's, I, don't think Liam, I don't think Liam Neeson has power over that. That's just sort of... <laughs> I think this probably of all the stories, the most one of the most sickly sweet. So I really enjoyed that. I mean, I did write down towards the end, you know, the security's thinking that child's got a bomb or something because he is mm-hmm. he is spreading all the way through there. So I don't no, know. No, he's got love. It's just love. <laughs> yeah, but in a post 9-11 world, that kid would have been tased before he even yeah. got to the floor. <laughs> We also we also should enter that kid into into the Olympics representing Team GB by the by the speed of him. Seeing as he had a issue. Speaking as a short person, there is no way he outsprinted those people. <laughs> he does not have the the leg length for that shit. Power of love. He had a good he had a good head start and adrenaline. It gets you everywhere. <laughs> you sound. Also, that actor is the living embodiment of. Dorian Gray, by the way, he's made some kind of deal with the devil, that man, because that 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 that, that guy's now I think in his t- late twenties. No, he's, he's still he's still, he's still like a teenager. It's, it is it is ridiculous. It, he definitely is aging at half speed for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's mental how old he was in this film. I'm, I'm not going to say anything in case it's one of Joseph's fun facts for his game, so I'm just going to hold off. But we'll wait and see. So let's move on to our wonderful prime minister. Uh, not Paul, but Paul's going to be talking about this. So, uh, David and Natalie, over to you, Paul. Well, so what can we say about David and Natalie? David has just basically moved in to number 10 Downing Street. He gets in, he's being introduced to his staff, says hello in ox eyes with Natalie, tells one of his staff that his uncle had like the same name as uh, him and they thought he was a pervert. So we're off to a great start with the, with the staff. And then he walks out with Natalie and, you know, straight away it's like shy, bumbling, Hugh Grant love at first sight. It's just, we, we really, really have quite a connection, don't we? It's just terrible. We're so both awfully shy, aren't we? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but they keep talking like that and they keep having these little interactions. You know, she brings him chocolate biscuits instead of just regular digestives. Um, she comes in in the meeting. She you know, is dishing out all the tea. Um, and what, what, what? Oh, yeah, then the, the president of the United States comes over and he's still going too shy to really say anything. It's played by Billy Bob Thornton, our, uh, be our 
kick-ass president, I'm sure. And then they go in to have these private talks. He's already said that he quite likes the look of Natalie. And uh, he nips out two seconds and then comes back in. Now, <clears throat> I, I went back and looked at what actually happens. And I went freeze-framed it. And I like kept pressing pause and play. Now, it looks like Billy Bob has his head on has his hand on her head like this and is leaning in like that as if he's whispering something because you can't see because she's just sort of here. So it's it's really, I think we can assume what he was doing, but I don't really know. Nothing. I'm going to say, yeah. So once that happens, Hugh Grant is in like, okay, well, uh, it's like war between UK and the US. He gives a speech that I'm like, why can't we have any prime minister give a speech like that? You know, he's, he's, he's some charismatic speech stuff there. Then he dances to jump in the the hall. And as we all know, that's was my favorite part of the whole film. Just the way he wiggled his hips there was hypnotic. <laughs> and then finally, he says, um, oh, oh, we need to redistribute Natalie. Because because he's so enamored with her, he can and he's in his heart, his heart. He wasn't sure if it was Natalie going after the president or, or what. His heart, he doesn't know, so he, he he can't concentrate. So he he has her working somewhere else, and then eventually he tracks down. He goes door to door to try and find her, because he can't take it anymore. And they go to the school play together, and he gets immediately caught in a scandal by snogging her in front of the stage in front of everyone, um, and then he. Like doesn't miss a beat. He says, "Okay, well, we we, we just uh, take take a bow in classic Hugh Grant fashion." So, what am I going to say about this storyline? Well, I'm going to say it's the main storyline. I'm going to defend that because he definitely he's the one that speaks the monologue at the start about love. I'm positive anyway, and then I could argument me. I'm pretty sure. I think it it's is. definitely Hugh Grant's voice. It must be him. Yeah. It must be him. And, and so this guy is like a lovesick puppy. It just so happens that he's the prime minister. But that's not the part to focus on. He is a lovesick puppy. And sure, sure, he sends a, a woman who's not really done anything wrong away. But it's because he can't concentrate on what he's doing. And there's actually something uh, alluding to that later on, because he does say at one point, he's like, you know, I'm sorry for all the terrible decisions of my cabin, it's crap, to one of the staff, and one, one of the people he meets door to door. So I'm going to say, this is the best storyline, because love conquered all in the end. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I... Detest this storyline. This doesn't out there right away. I absolutely hated it, and the reason is very simple. As, as a working class, from a working class background myself, I found it rather offensive uh, from the stereotypes of the you know the packs the packed family in in the house for one. The, 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 the same thing was it was just a case of it was very much Marty McCutcheon's character was very much like. He couldn't possibly, he couldn't possibly be in love with me. I'm not a working class lass, you know. It was, it was, so I had to give a bit of issue with that. However, 
However, what, what, in, in Paul's defence here, the, the, my biggest laugh came from that storyline. And it was when they were in the taxi. Classic classic Richard Curtis stuff. They were in the taxi and then there's just a wee kid in the office sitting between them and it's really awkward. I was beside myself. That, that was definitely my biggest laugh. And I was, I was just thinking, that's absolute genius comedy writing. Classic Richard Curtis. Absolutely loved it. And also my favourite line, I think, in the whole film was, I'm trying to get around everyone by New Year's. And the, yeah, standard, standard Hugh Grant line. Absolutely loved it. So yeah, did like the storyline, but it did have my, my biggest laugh for sure. What did everyone else think about that storyline? I hated it. I hate Well, I hate the film in general, but this is, his character is the biggest asshole of them all, right? He's, it's, it's just the fact that he, well, you mentioned it, you know yourself, Paul, he sent her away. So basically she got blamed for being sexually harassed. I, I mean, there's love, no defending, <laughs> no defending I that. I love me. And, and she apologizes in a letter and it's only then He's like, oh, I'm going to go find her. And, you know, and even then he doesn't really apologise. You know, when she says, oh, he, he, he just came at me and I didn't know what to do. You know, I just, I, nothing happened. And he's like, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't even, even say anything. And um, why do they keep fat shaming her in this as well? He's the only one who sees her for who she truly is because everybody else at the office refers to her as the chubby one. And he's yeah. like yeah. very noble for not referring to her as the chubby one. And then when he, they have the biscuits at the end, it's all it comes full circle. He's ah. the only one that comes to her defence. It's true it was, love. Mm. It was the line our dad said, like, see, obviously you get the wee digs like through the workplace. You're like, yeah, they're their workplace, but that called her plumpy. And I'm like, why is this a thing? That, that's the only part of like the storyline I will defend because that is accurate family dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, but the rest of that storyline nah. <laughs> that didn't mm-hmm. make sense. It didn't make sense. Yeah. I didn't like when uh, he was like, oh, Who do you have to shag around here to get a biscuit or a cup of tea or whatever? Like, something like that. And I was like, oh, awesome. And she comes in and I was like, oh, oh man. You're supposed to be this really cool prime minister, and you just lost me. Absolutely. I would say there's a very, a very apt depiction of a politician, though. To be fair, I, I can see that being it's the same uh, thing. No, because they were both presented as likable human beings. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we, are we, are we just glossing over the fact that all it took for a British prime minister to stand up to an American president was for him to sexually harass the wrong woman? <laughs> Yeah. I, I will. I will point out that uh, he did also have um, one of one of the best lines, and that you know he's he, he just he sits down and it's, it is just after he, he basically says he's going to redistribute uh, Natalie, well, redistribute. There we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then then he just goes. Um, hmm. I bet you never had these problems, you saucy minx, and it's just I mean, a close-up on Margaret Thatcher. Oh, I hated that, but... <laughs> oh, no. And that, that's why that story is an immediate worst for me, just because it had a full three seconds of Margaret Thatcher's face on screen, despite yeah. oil painting. Does anyone think this might have been based on David Cameron at all? I know it was a little bit before his time, but... Well, no, because there wasn't a pig inside. Well, you literally ah, stole my <laughs> It was, no, the, the, I think it, it was based on sort of like the, 
the relationship between um, I think Merry Christmas. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, uh, the UK and the and the president at the time and David Cameron did put a statement out about it being like it was a it was a really jolly good speech he did, but what mm. Hugh Grant didn't think about was what happens tomorrow after that speech, that sort of thing. A very qualified oh. answer. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was supposed to be an, an idyllic, yeah. Mm. What, what what might have been if Tony Blair had stopped to the to, to George W. Bush, but yeah. It was supposed to be an idyllic portrayal of government. They would have hired someone who could spell Christmas properly because in a little <laughs> card it says Christmas, not Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so if you're I well, well, working class girl, Jordan, her, her, her state school education couldn't possibly provide it to good, good, good teachers, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, because oh, slashing funding to education for you. Sorry. Let's put the shovels out and let's stop digging this hole. Oh, no, no. I've, I've, got, I've got so many shovels, Joseph. Jesus. <laughs> So, so, last one, last one. Do you reckon? Do you reckon Prime Minister Hugh Grant is how Boris sees himself in his own head, like this bumbling, charming womanizer, minus everything saw. That depends. Do you think he's dancing to jump in number ten? I mean, I'll happily watch him fall down the stairs. But like... I think he's more of a Jackson Five sort of guy. Yeah. <laughs> like to defend Paul's storyline, I I would. I would gladly watch uh, sort of a, a, a BBC length series of Hugh Grant being Prime Minister because he was bumbly enough to make it funny. Mm. There's a little bit of resentment for him that everyone has. Mm. I keep watching it, but like, I just want to see how can Tucker tear into him. That's all I want to see. Yes, shy Prime Minister. Mm. Something like that. Mm. <laughs> right, but shall we shall we play our first game? Okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's move on. So let's play our first game. So over to Joseph, the master of deception for fun facts or fake news. Right, yo. So this is fun fact or fake news, love actually edition. We've got three questions here, they're all multiple choice, and you have got to choose which is the truth amongst the lies. Um, so, are you all ready for your first question? Crack it. Yeah. And those of you at home can answer as well and keep score. So, your first question is as follows. In 2003's Love Actually, we see Prime Minister Hugh Grant play opposite Billy Bob Thornton's President of the United States. But what unusual fear of Thornton's did Grant exploit to cause Billy Bob to freak out just before cameras started rolling? Was Billy Bob Thornton's fear, A, a fear of tinsel and baubles? Was it B, a fear of antique furniture? Or was it C, a fear of hard-boiled eggs? I know the answer, so I'm going to stay quiet until everyone else has answered. I'm going to wait. I'm going to say say hard-boiled egg because you'd have to be mad to eat I think it's hard-boiled egg as well, but I just think Hugh Grant's the kind of person that would carry around antique furniture, so I'm going to go B. <laughs> hey, Beef Man, do this. from Paul, Sasha, initially. Greg, what are you all thinking? Tinsel. I'll split the difference and say tinsel. Tinsel. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, tinsel. Tinsel, okay. I am going to, well, I'm going to help, help Joseph reveal this. It's antique furniture. 
Yeah. Antique furniture. So he's sitting on. So Andrew and Craig get the points for this round. The answer was B, antique furniture. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, uh, Martine McCutcheon, who played Natalie, said Hugh had a really naughty sense of humour while on set. Billy Bob Thornton hates antiques. And just before cameras would roll, Hugh would constantly point at pieces of furniture saying, oh, that's, that's 500 years old, that. And uh, Billy Bob would say, oh, my God, Hugh, I don't like this, in his mm. southern accent. So, Andrew and Craig get the points. And commiserations to the rest of you. But you can get points in our second question. Mentioned previously, Claudia Fisher, famed German model, actress and fashion designer, appears at the end of the film as Carol, uh, infatuating Daniel, played by Liam Neeson. However, for her one-minute cameo in the film, how much was Schiffer paid? Was it A, £200,000, the equivalent of £328,000 today? Is oh, that's it depressing. 2% of the box office profits or C, nothing? As she had an infatuation with Liam Neeson at the time, saying, quote, I was willing to do it for free after 21 takes of Neeson making lovey-dovey eyes at me. C. This is a film about love. It's C. <laughs> it has to be C. <laughs> because this is all about money in the end. If it was any other person asking this question, I would say C. But Joseph is clever enough to come up with this fake story. It's B. <laughs> okay. Uh, I agree with Andrew because I know there's another fact about this film that is very close to what Joseph has said for C. So I imagine that's where Joseph got the idea from. But I'm saying I'm saying that it's not C. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go A. Okay. I'm gonna go A. A. I'll go B. B. So no, 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 A, A. Final answer. Final answer. Final answer. The answer was, in fact, A. She made two hundred thousand pounds for a one-minute cameo. But uh, during Daniel's uh, eulogy, he says one of his late wife's requests was to bring Claudia Schiffer as his date to the funeral. Funny how things work out in the end. But as Craig did say, it was in fact uh, Chris Marshall who played Colin that returned his paycheck after um, twenty-one takes of being undressed by American women. And I'll let that silence hang, just to show you. <laughs> but I hope you're all keeping points, keeping track of your points because we're going into the final question here. So, Love Actually, what do we think of when we think of Love Actually? We think of that romantic scene between Kiara Knightley and Andrew Lincoln. What a romantic scene, eh? But during Peter and Juliet's wedding, Mark surprises the happy couple with a band performing the 1967 hit All You Need Is Love by The Beatles. But what inspired writer and director Richard Curtis to add it into the film? Was it A, it happened at a funeral he was at once? B, he was inspired by 2001's Moulin Rouge love medley? Or C, it appeared to him in a dream? B, hey, Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> I see the low-hanging fruit and I just... I... I reach for it. There it is. All same B. I'll go. I'll go A. Andrew thinks it was a funeral. Yeah. I. I think. I think A sounds very Richard Curtis. But then again, Joseph's clever, and he could be think he could be using the four weddings and the funeral thing yeah. to get you possibly. But I don't think it's the other one. So I'm going to stick with A. Okay, Grayson. Okay. I'll say it was a dream. Sasha's going with a dream. 
I'm going to say it's a dream because he could have probably thought of this whole movie in a dream because it's that bad. So I'm going to say it's a dream. I'm throwing shade at the same time. I can respect that. Greg? I'll go A because I forgot the other two. That's how I choose all multiple choices. And for all of you who chose B, Paul, you were wrong. I'm sorry, Paul. No points this game, unfortunately. It was, in fact, A. It was a funeral that inspired Richard Curtis to include this medley in the film. But for a bonus point, can anyone tell me whose funeral it was? I may listen to something really stupid. I was going to say Princess Diana. (laughs) 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 She's the first English person I could tell. She was part of that crew. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of Princess Dianas in there. Um, any other no. guesses as to whose whose funeral it could have been? Is it someone like really famous? Is it someone like really famous? Someone very famous. I'd say it's one of the Beatles. One of the Beatles. Oh, all that one. Shout, shout! Very good shout. Okay. Was it the death of good taste? Mm. That must be George, George Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is my guest as well. George Harrison. Okay. Any other guesses as to who huge funeral could be? John Lennon. John Lennon. In fact, unfortunately, you're all wrong. It was, in fact, Jim Henson's funeral. Where? Oh, I yes. did know that. I did know that. <laughs> all you need is love. To honour Jim Henson and his work. So that is it for fun fact or fake news. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I believe, Andrew, did you win that one? You had three points, didn't you? Oh, I did. I was keeping track in the wrong head. So, Craig, our host, wins fun fact or fake news. But let us know how you got at home. Thanks. Uh, on Twitter or on Facebook and tell us how much you scored in this round of fun fact or fake news. Back to you, Craig. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks. I finally sussed you out. I finally got you after all this time. It's, it's taken a few episodes, but I finally got you. So, we're going to take a quick break. That's it for part one. Join us for part two, where we talk more about love actually and find out who has the best storyline. See you soon. Welcome back to our Christmas special, part two of our love actually discussion. So, over to Andrew next. For Billy Mac and Joe. So, Billy, Jack, uh, Billy Mac and Joe. It's probably the simplest storyline. And I'm going to tell you why it's the best storyline. So we follow Billy Mac, who is uh, an old singer, who's now trying to rekindle his career by going for the Christmas number one. However, he is not passionate about the song. He's very honest and brutal about the song. He's only doing this for one reason, is to relaunch his career. And he admits his song is shit. Joe is his wee pal. And we follow Joan, we follow Billy Mac, to eventually getting his number one hit at Christmas. Now, very simple, very quick. That's all it's about. But I'm going to give you three reasons why this is the best storyline. Number one. Does any other storyline have Rab C. Nesbitt in it? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew wins. That's a point. Okay. Shot. Number two. What is the best kind of romance? That's a bro. 
Don't a bromance. Exactly, no, Sasha. A bromance. <laughs> Noah's the best kind of romance. And number three, there's no lies, no deceit, no betrayal. They are just good mates. And they are even better mates by the end of the story when they're sitting on Christmas Day watching porn together. I rest my case. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, before the started, that is that is my pick as well. I mean, I know we're not voting yet, but that that was my favorite storyline as well, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's really good. I mean, I, I smile every time Bill Nye is on the screen. Every time he, it, I, I can't explain that man. I really can't. But like, he's one of those people who he's just perfect. Like he he, deli- he delivers a line, and it's just that's it. You you've, you've nailed it. Every he also, single time. He also had the best line in the movie, in my opinion, when I think it was when he was on Ant and Deck and he looks down the camera and he says, Kids, don't buy drugs. Become a <laughs> and people give you them for free. That's my favorite. That was the life lesson at the end of this episode, Andrew. Come on, man. Oh, man. Still, oh, still, oh, still, man. Sorry, I had to tell you, but I defend my storyline. We're never going to get sponsored by Big Pharma now. Jesus. Does anyone have any rebuttals to Andrew? Or we all we all agree that that could be the best one? No, I'm just furious that I didn't get to do that one. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll also put in as well, is obviously we get the small cameo from Rowan Atkinson, who is probably one of the best like physical actors for comedy, like his he's facial expressions. But see the scene where Bill Nye's ripping into his song at the radio station and it keeps cutting to to Joe out and see the facial expressions Joe was pulling. I was wetting myself because obviously I couldn't speak to him, but see some of the faces he was pulling. I thought it was brilliant. He didn't have that many lines, Joe, throughout. Oh. Like it's the longest they chat is at the very end. It's yeah. It doesn't no, need it. the best kind of relationships <laughs> where you barely have to talk to each other. <laughs> Don't quote <laughs> me on that. <laughs> I, I've, I've got to disagree with Andrew on one on, on the sole fact that um, it's that storyline that made me realise that fi- I finally realised in 2020 that Ant and Dick are not brothers. <laughs> You're going against my storyline because, yeah. because of Ant and Andrew. Dick. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, it's no because I... of you that Biker Grove lied to me. <laughs> you are the, you're the sole culprit. <laughs> I mean, I don't I mean, know why this film gave it away. I've never seen yeah. the name written down before. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I that. It's the only film I've watched the credits when we've been watching and it was Ant and Dec and I noticed that their names were different and I had an existential crisis. I think Joseph, never Joseph, are you serious? You yes, I'm old. serious. Joseph, real yeah. talk right now. How, how old are you? So, sorry, I'm sorry, question. How old um, are you? I've got a mental age of seven um, <laughs> and, and an actual age of 24 and a half. Right. No. Yes. Yeah. I, I presume I you were the baby of the group. Yes. I, I do, I I'm do the presume. baby of the group. Yes. That, 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 that is still <laughs> rather impressive. Twenty-four years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah, 
never mind that. After the year we've all had, that was the thing that gave you an existential crisis. <laughs> no, it, it was the, it was like the like, the I mean, next like, year of like crisis. That's ruined twenty twenty completely for you now. Yeah, I've been having that a great year up until, until Andrew pulled the curtain away and revealed the Ant and Decony brothers. I would like to point out the only person that's had an argument has been Joseph, and you all took more issue with Joseph's argument than with my storyline. Again, I think I'm, I think I'm pulling away, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes a good point. He makes a good point. Right then, well, we've got to give them, we've got to give him a chance now. We've got him a chance. So, Joseph, it's over to you for Jamie and well, here we go. Aurelia, yeah, is that her name? Aurelia. Someone Jamie and Aurelia. Thank you. What's great about this storyline? The easier question is, what's bad about the storyline? And um, I can really answer that with one thing. Nothing. <laughs> Perfect. This storyline is like that first sip of beer at the end of a long day. This storyline is... It's basically everything Moulin Rouge wanted to be. A struggling writer, romance... Betrayal. I mean, they just did it better. Two years later, they did it better. And quite frankly, I think uh, it's it's the one of the best storylines because um, you, you just really get to the, the the emotional depths of of Jamie's character. Finding out that your your wife or girlfriend or whatever is, is cheating on you with your brother. So then, what do you do? You go to France and you you write and you pour your heart and soul into it, and then you get this the, the housekeeper who doesn't understand a word you say, and you don't understand a word you say, but then there's this connection, this raw connection that there's these glances, I assume, because it wasn't shown in the film, across the table, or there was like these moments where she'd, she'd pick up a, a glass and he was trying to pick it up and their hands would brush all, all, all lovey-dovey and all that, which we did see when he was searching for his phone. It's these moments that show that it's true love there, not... Not Hugh Grant and his and his political ponsery. It's these moments here that his true love is shown. And then, of course, what does he do? Christmas Eve, he buys a ticket to go back to France. That's not cheap, I'll tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, for free. That is not cheap. He goes to France, he finds her, and he proposes to her in front of her work. And do you know why you know it's true love? Because she, she lets him propose in the middle of her work. Because... Any, any person who wasn't in love wouldn't be caught dead in that scenario. They would have died of shame there on the spot. Ergo, love actually is Jamie and Aurelia's story. I rest my case. Yeah. Love, love is the universal language. Yes, Joseph, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my notes was, why didn't you just pick up a phrase book? Was one, of, was, one, was one of my notes for when it was, you know, when he, when he was first there, for sure. Like, because he's too awkward. He's Colin Firth. He's too awkward to hold a book at this and talk at the same time. I, I will also say that another another reason why this is the best storyline is because it was uh, the one that um, Richard Curtis originally had in his head for the film. Ah. So the original storyline, ergo the best. <laughs> well, I will say, Star Wars movie, but it doesn't mean it's the best. <laughs> what I will say is that it was replaced as the main storyline, as the Hugh Grant one. And Hugh I, Grant and Colin I, Firth are competing in this to see who can be the most awkwardly shy Englishman. 
You well, know, and you've got the bit where she comes along and lifts the teacup and all the papers float into the water. That, and he's like, oh, uh, should I get on? Yeah. It's, it's the most awkward and English that Colin Firth is in the whole film, but it doesn't come close <laughs> to the awkward and shy Englishman that is Hugh Grant. I put it to you, sir. Oh, they're competing oh, for being the most creepy man in their 40s going after women in their 20s. Yep. Are there yes. ages ever confirmed? Who are subordinates who work for them and are basically doing sexual harassment at the workplace. Joseph, when arguing against your own case, when you talked about how expensive it is for him to buy another ticket to France, I will not have sympathy. <laughs> a man that can, after a breakup, afford to go to France for his little housemaid and woo her. And he didn't even woo her, he offered her a croissant. <laughs> uh, croissants are the universal symbol for love, Andrew. <laughs> that's, that's not true. When, when, is the symbol of love. No, no. Uh, Keith, where are you from? Get out. <laughs> you didn't watch a view to a kill James Bond wooed that woman with a quiche. <laughs> Well, Andrew, I'll just I'll just say you'll be feeling very silly come uh, Valentine's Day when you walk out finally after COVID is gone and you see just rows and rows of croissants lining the streets as the universal symbol for love, my friend. I'm single. I'll be in the house crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send your croissant. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been funny if he flew out there and he got the whole town to follow him to her new place of work and he gets out into the bar and he lays out that speech and it turns out all that time learning Portuguese was for nothing because she's actually Greek. Or <laughs> 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 yeah. that, you know, the whole family thought she was going to get sold to him. Mm. Okay. That was another classic Richard Curtis and that was another great Richard Curtis moment again, writing wise, was when the, you know, the Chinese whispers along the way, like, he's going to kill a real cool. <laughs> love that. I love that. The one I thing I'll it. give to Joseph, I did laugh when he turned up at the door and it was the sister, and she's like, Oh, you're really going to sell me? And he's like, No, I'd pay for, her, for him to take you away. That didn't. <laughs> I also I think also, it'd be quite funny if you found out the actual tattoo that she had on her back was fake, because we all know that's the real reason that he fell in love with her. Because that was the bit when she took all her clothes off, and it was that moment where he saw that little nice stamp on her back, and he was like... You'll do. When I was doing research... When I was doing research from a game, I did find out that there was a 45-minute meeting to determine the, the colour and style of Aurelia's underwear in that scene, which I think is 45 minutes too long. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what else, you mentioned the age-appropriateness of all the relationships. Uh, yeah, I've noted down, I don't know, there's barely any age-appropriate relationship in this film. It's, it's any, in fact. If you, if you really look at all the actors and how old they actually are, it's not barely any. any. Did anybody else characters? Sorry, come on. No, no, you go. No, just ask. Uh, just wondering, like, were any of the ages confirmed by characters? Like, I can't seem to remember any numbers. So it's sort of I think so. it's implied shrug. I don't know. I know we're I know we're on Joseph's argument, but I'm just I'm going to take a shot at Sasha's storyline. Did anybody else feel <laughs> uncomfortable when Liam Neeson kept talking about shagging women in the wee boys' bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> Like I was like, I was like, I know he's supposed to be like, oh, they're quite close now, but I'm going. Mm. 
He's one of the lads, you know. Yeah, just two, two lads having a chat, you know. Yeah, just, <laughs> just like a Between a guy who's like 50 and, so, and a kid who's <laughs> 10. That's like classic bloke chat. Yeah. Hmm. And then I'm assuming that they, after they had that lovely heartwarming moment where they recreated that scene from the Titanic, that they continued to watch the movie and saw a bunch of people frozen to death and a natural disaster on top of that. Never mind the Kate Winslet scene. And then that's got lots of what is. Has that kid seen the rest of that movie? Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just skip the ending. <laughs> no, no, yeah, just, they're on the ever after. That was it. <laughs> Yes. Nobody died. But yeah, Joseph, call him for Kripnip. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I'll be really Kripnip-tick. <laughs> I'm not defending the storyline anymore. <laughs> the one bit of trivia I found for this is the pond that all his papers fell into and that they had to subsequently jump into was filthy. Like, thick pond scum. Like, it was, it was just poison. And after they filmed all the shoots splashing around. Uh, Colin Firth emerged from the cold water with a mysterious lump on his neck. Yeah. And he was fine, but he got a lump <laughs> for this movie. I have to say, Joseph, you should really be a lawyer, though, because I really felt like I was in court then, you know, as you were saying your case. As you were saying, I my case. It was very passionate. <laughs> As I just already said, I'm good at making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right, let's go to Love Actually's number one fan next. Van Ashery, please tell us about You've got two storylines to tell us about. You have John and Judy and Sarah and Carl. Take it away. Okay. So I'll... Okay, I'll do John and Judy first. So John and Judy are uh, professional stand-ins for sex scenes on a very high-budget movie. We don't know what this movie is, but it looks very interesting. Um, And they essentially go to work every day and they're in awkward sexual positions, reenacting sex, I guess, and um, just um, having normal conversations. And it's just about the development of their relationship and it just ends up in a very happy place for them. They end up getting married. Um, And I personally think this is genuinely the best story there is there because it it is the only relationship that is healthy in the entire movie. It's two people who are in an equal place in work. They're they're equals at work. um, They don't go in there with aspirations of, what love is, this kind of, the feelings that they have of obsession with somebody that they never speak to. They don't go in with any of that. They just go in there as friends and it just evolves naturally and they just get to know each other. And it doesn't need a big grand gesture like running through an airport or dragging a load of people through Portugal to a restaurant. It doesn't need any of that. You just get together nicely at the doorstep at the end. It's just nice little storyline that is just it's just what a relationship should be not like the other ones in this um so that's one (laughs) shall we go straight into the second one yeah okay so the second one is sarah and carl so sarah is a hard-working american lady who i believe works for a design company 
Um, that's the gist that I got. And she actually has been in love with her coworker for quite some time, but she's never come clean about it. Um, so she's always just loved him from afar. And occasionally Sarah gets phone calls from a mystery person. And we don't know who this mystery person is, but, but it seems like she's quite, she feels responsible for accepting these calls. And it's something that she needs to do on a regular basis is talk to this person. So anyway, uh, later on, finally, Carl and Sarah, finally, you know, like they actually get it on and they actually head back to Sarah's place. And just before they're about to uh, carry on, um, Sarah gets a phone call and we find out that the phone call is actually from her brother who is mentally ill and he's in, a, he's in a home at the moment. So this puts a spanner in the works for Sarah and Carl because Carl just wants to get it on but Sarah feels like she's responsible for her brother and that she needs to be there for him. Um, and unfortunately it doesn't work out between them and at the end Sarah just ends up without Cal, but she's with her brother and supporting her brother at the end of the um, at the end of the story. And I also feel like this is one of the strongest stories because it's actually coming from a female female perspective. Um, it's actually reversed this time, so it's an older woman going for a younger man, which goes against the grain of this film. Um, and it actually shows you that you don't need a man to be happy. You know, some things, you can choose some things over other things. And her priority was her family and her pri priority was her work as well. And do you know what? Cal probably wasn't right for her. So she just didn't fall for anybody. He wasn't right for her. She needs somebody who will understand her and understand that she cares about her brother and she needs to be there for her brother. So someone else will come along that's right for her. So this, yeah, these are the two storylines that I'm defending today and I rest my case. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouted at the screen, it's not about you, Carl, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I, agree, I agree with what you're saying there, Bean. One of the best fun facts, actually, before we talk about that, so like one of the best fun facts that I found comes from the, the Laura Linney storyline, which is the uh, Sarah and Carl storyline. So, Apparently, Richard Curtis kept saying that he wanted a Laura Linney-type person after many British girls auditioned until finally the casting director snapped and said, oh, for fuck's sake, get Laura Linney then. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there you go. So yeah, that, was, that was one of my favourite fun facts for that. Yeah, so yeah. So what about everyone else? Do, do we, do we need, are we going to re, uh, refute what V has said? Do we think... They are the best storylines, or, or do we have anything else to say on the matter? On the John and Judy storyline, I didn't mind it. I thought it was really funny at times. But I texted last night and said there was a line that made me and my little brother simultaneously bulk in that, <laughs> that storyline. And it was, the, you put it very lovely, V, about the doorstep. and the, 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 But when Judy said, All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> The second we finished that sentence, me and my wee brother went <gasps> because it was bogging. So unnecessary. Yeah. So unnecessary. But without that, that's line, the fact how would you know what she wanted? That's when they come. That's when they come clean, and then it's all out there. And she just, she's, she's, she's just been honest. And well, it was all out there. It was just them in a long way. Not there the whole time. Not believe that. 
We, I do believe, believe that. that. I'm very passionate about this storyline. <laughs> she's very passionate about the film. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. Not so much I'm, the film, but the storyline. I'm just worried. I'm just a bit worried about Martin Freeman because there's the bit where, where they're on the bed and she's on top of him. But the only bit of Martin Freeman that's moving is his neck because he's going like a wee nodding dog. I'm, like, that's a, I'm a bit worrying, Martin. What are you doing here? He's just a I'm sure you've done this before, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you had to get keep keep getting direction from the director. Just massage the breasts now. <laughs> Creepy ain't a crime, but that's close. Any sex scene stories to compare notes with, guys? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that myself because I've never done anything like that. Was that like was that not a bit far? I have no frame of reference. Yeah, luckily only stage kiss only for me. So yeah, that, that's yeah. as far as I've gone. So luckily no further. I don't have wrong. It gave me a laugh, but at the same time, I was going, "Really? Mm-hmm. What? What? What would have been a better song to say to him on that doorstep? Like, I'm never going to give you up. I'm gonna <laughs> lay down. Like, <laughs> anyway, I think you should have gone like, I think there's naughty older, and just like screamed in his face, "It's Christmas!" <laughs> <laughs> just that on the doorstep. <laughs> Well, what, was that? What, what was that? What was that? What was that band we were saying not to talk about earlier? What Wham song would have fit in wow. there really well? Should be this Christmas. I'm giving you my heart. <laughs> Even I'm open at that. Face, oh, oh, yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well as what I noticed is Laura Lenny must be drinking for the same magic potion as that wee boy because she looks ageless just now as well. Because I watch Ozark, aged a day, man. She looked brilliant. I didn't mind their storyline. It was just a bit sad. Yeah. That is that is the main point against it, isn't it? Yeah. This is meant to be an upbeat Christmas film and your yeah. plot line just put a big Debbie Downer on all of us. No, no because she's, she's, she's with her brother. Yeah. Yeah. We've not got to mine yet. No, Wait, oh, we'll not. get oh. to yours. Uh, That's what I thought about the entire film. It just jumped. It was like happy, happy, and then funeral. Then happy, happy. I've... I can't be with the man I love because I need to be with my brother. It's just, it just, there was no pacing at no. all for the film. And one of my notes was hang up the phone because I was like, yeah. this guy, you've had, you, you fancied him for ages and ages and ages. Everyone knows it. He knows it. You both want to do this. And yes, it is her brother and it's very important, but it's, he's not going anywhere. And she will see him and she does care about him. It doesn't mean she doesn't. So I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. Oh, she went to her for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I was like, I was saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> I was just like, come on, man. Plus, the fact, I've, I've never known anybody, if someone's going to do a little dance, that the fact that the guy's coming back to her bit. I know, you're not, that's what I know as well. Yeah, you're not going to answer the phone. You'll answer it maybe the first time and then go, right, silent for at least five minutes. At least five. Come on. Yeah. We are making light of this. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue I would argue the uh, the actual relationship that's being portrayed there is the relationship between her and her brother and the sexy very well cut man is a mere distraction that why uh, why we could all get behind 
getting down with a nice bit of strange is a great way to have a nice little bow on the end of on the end of your arc the real love and christmasy spirit of this is when your potentially violent sibling gives you a nice little hug yeah in time well, for I also, calendars exist. Figure it out, you two. Jesus. I, I, I will say, actually, in that one scene, uh, to, to, to actually defend this storyline a little bit myself, the, the one scene I thought where um, she goes to visit him the first time in the hospital and he like goes to slap her, I did like gasp. I was like, oh, I thought he was portrayal was really, really, really well done. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So well, like it had happened before. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> right. It wouldn't Prefer. be it wouldn't be Christmas without a surprise present for everybody. So we have I have been working behind the scenes and here's my surprise present for everybody. So Mr. Paul Surrett, over to you for Merry Tagmas, everybody. Yay! I was getting ready to Merry, like, <laughs> Merry Tagmas, everyone. Polly's got five presents for everyone here. <laughs> I hope you're ready. We're going to start off with, of course, you know the game. I'm going to give you a film name. I'm going to give you A, B, or C. Which one is the real tagline? <clears throat> Starting off. Controversially, with Die Hard. Is it a Christmas film? Yes. yes. No. Maybe. We'll find out. A. Can, the, can a man this hard die? <laughs> Is it B. An off-duty cop? A team of terrorists? No, non-stop yippee-ki-yay action? Or is it C, 40 stories of sheer adventure? I want it to be A. I really want it to be A, but I know it's not. I want it, I want it to be A, but no. Uh, I'm going to say know. A solely for the fact I hope this is the answer that Paul has in every single question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll say A because of that. <laughs> It's a long Actually, time. I've been having me. trouble. I've been having trouble keeping, uh, you know, grasp on who's voting what. So I've been watching TikTok. Yeah. So oh. if you put your hand up and put a finger up there every time you get one right, that'll help old Polly keep score. Okay. I don't like. Okay. Cars. I'll go. I'll go C. C. B for me. B for me. B. B. C, two C's, two B's, C's, C's all around. It is C, 40 stories of sheer adventure. Next up, we've got Bad Santa. Is it A, he's festively foul? Is it B, lock up your back door, Santa's coming to town? <laughs> or is it C? He doesn't care if you're naughty or nice. Oh, Paul! Oh, I, th- I think it's I think it's C. 
I'm going C as well. It's a close between A and C, but I'm going to go C. We've got two C's. Three C's. I want it to be B, but I think it's C. B. No, I want it to be B, but I think it's C. C, three C's. Yeah. I'll go A. A. I've got A, yeah. Two A's. Greg? Another C. C. Those of you who said C, you are correct. It's hey. He doesn't care if you're naughty or moist. <sighs> Next up, we've got Four Christmases, your favourite Christmas comedy. <clears throat> <laughs> Is it A, they just wanted a quiet Christmas, but their in-laws have different ideas? Is it B, his father, her mother, his mother, her father, all in one day? Or is it C, visiting four in-laws on Christmas? Better bring the eggnog. Oh, they're good. Ooh, they're good. Ooh. I'll go B. One B. What was A again? They just wanted a quiet Christmas. But their in-laws have different ideas. <laughs> I think it's B as well. Two for B. A couple of B boys. <laughs> I'm gonna say B. Yeah. Three Bs. I'm starting to think C now. <laughs> Me too. Though, yeah, you're right. I, I, I want it to be. I think it might be C as well. But no, I'm gonna stick with B. I'm gonna stick with B. C. I'm, I'm B. Oh, you know, I'll C since there's so many Bs. C and a few Bs. Greg? A B again. A B. <laughs> it is B. It is oh, B. Yes. <laughs> well done. Yes, Joseph, this work. is a family show, mate. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It was Next up, We've got Jack Frost. Is it A, he is the world's coolest dad and he's gonna prove it? <laughs> is it B, he's got eyes made of coal, but this snowman has got a whole lot of soul? Oh my or god. It, <laughs> or is it C, there's no way this dad's missing Christmas? Oh, C is so terrible. It must be C. It has to be C. It, oh, I thought it was A, but... Oh. I thought it was A, but now I'm stuck. Uh, I'm going well, see, see, if it's not B, Paul, that is really, really clever. If it's not B. Uh, right. I'm going to go C. B. C. B. A. I'll go A. I'll go A. 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 Greg? <laughs> Three times now. C! Am <laughs> <laughs> I invisible in this hat? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrible at keeping track of letters. All right. It is A. Yes! <clears throat> the A's have it. He is Aww. the world's coolest dad. <laughs> and finally, we have the Santa Claus. <clears throat> My is it A, 
He's got the beard, the butt, and the belly. And to save Christmas, Scott Calvin must shake them like a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's a great suggestion, though. Is it B? Scott Calvin is about to get a whole lot jollier. Or is it C? Scott Calvin must become Santa. No ifs or ands, just one big butt. Oh, mate, that's really good. I would like to be put on the record first as C. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm gonna go A. I'm gonna go A. It's long, but I think it might be A. A. C. 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 Sasha. B. I can't remember. B. Scott Calvin's about to get a whole lot jollier. No, I don't want B. I want, want B. C. I want B. You want B. Yeah. I'm going to okay. say, because uh, it's, it's so ridiculous, A. A. Greg? Uh, I believe uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> A big C for me and you, Andrew. <laughs> The answer is C. Scott Calvin yeah, must become Santa. No Fs or Ns, just one big butt. Ah, congratulations. Oh, and how many fingers are we all holding up? Let me have a look here. Three, two, three, three. Oh, oh wow, it's a big tie. <laughs> just me. Just me that lost that one. That's fine. There we That's go. Fine. Sorry. <laughs> right thank you very much Paul awesome as always so that's it for part two join us for part three when you find out Greg's storyline my storyline and most importantly who the real spirit special is in the 100 team stay tuned for more welcome back to part three where we're talking all about love actually and it's many storylines so it's one of all we waiting for. Over to Greg next for Peter, Juliet and Mark. It's almost Christmas. You can see a soft snow falling outside the window. You are Kira Knightley and there is a knock at the door. Opening it, you see a dashing Yorkshireman, long hair billowing gloriously in the wind. He's holding what appears to be a stack of devastatingly well-written hand-drawn cue cards. The sound of Public domain carol singing fills the air, emanating from a smartphone stuffed into his shirt pocket. He holds up the first card, and it reads, Say it's carol singers. I just wanted to say that even though you've married my best friend, I've spent years silently loving you. Even when I accidentally brought male prostitutes to your fiancé's stag do. Oops! Then, after I deleted him from your only wedding video and did a shit job of hiding it, 
in my massive art studio, only to then weeks later turn up at your door with some fucking cue cards. I was just really hoping that this empty gesture and complete waste of paper would help me seem super endearing. Is it working yet? Also, it's Christmas. And on Christmas, you always tell the truth, apparently. A bit like Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. He's such a talented actor. Have you seen him in The Grinch? What about Ace Ventura? He gets stuck inside a robot rhino. Anyway, just because it's Christmas, just thought I'd ask, in keeping with the holiday spirit, threesome? Well, Merry Christmas? The final card falls to the floor, and in that lingering silence, you call the police. I mean, it's well, probably the most fun argument, but you're not going to get me to say it's the best fucking storyline. <laughs> oh, no point was I trying to be convincing. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if you took Greg, that whole thing just, that Greg did and put it into the film, it would be a far better storyline than we've got. Oh, so much yeah. wrong with a storyline, but yeah. for me, it's just the, the biggest point is two words and it's just music choice. Yeah. The music in that scene to the Jaws theme, you get a more accurate depiction yeah. of that guy is. I mean, if, if, you, if you just like mute the scene where Kira Knightley's watching a wedding video, you get like this beautiful orchestral music, but as soon as you mute it, it's just Andrew Lincoln breathing down the back of her neck. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down, I think, I think Midsummer has ruined me, uh, as, as people who were on the Midsummer panel knew, because I, I wrote down that uh, Kieran Nutley needs to get out of there pronto, because if there's any other film, he'd be smashing me up over the head right now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got okay. Cape Fear head in, like, music in my head now, just thinking of that scene. Yeah. Um, and I've do got... you know Kieran Knightley's 18 in that yeah, as well? Right. Holy moly. Yeah, he's only five years. years older. Only five years older than the wee boy. He's thirteen. That's uh, really what? Yeah, in real life, he's thirteen. <laughs> Told you. He was I thought he was way younger. Yeah, you yeah. with the devil. Deal with the devil, that man. It's, it's he's still thirteen. <laughs> and this was made in two thousand and three. Vampire. It's, I've got as much issue with Keira Knightley's character though. So I'm assuming she's been with Chiwetel Edgy for, for some time that they're married. And all he has to do is give her a creepy video, whack a cassette on and show her some cue cards and she cheats on him. I mean, he's ultimately oh. the big neck, but... It's it's a one-off platonic kiss, and then you, at the end you see they're all at the airport together, just hanging out in some kind of like relationship that feels kind Careerism. of. Do you see where I'm going with this? It was the early two thousands. They couldn't explicitly say it. And did, the Brazilian anyone... prostitutes. Sorry, <coughs> the Brazilian prostitutes. Did they actually happen? Did he? Oh, it's like the, it's like, I think it's like the first line that Andrew Lincoln has. When they're at, when they're at the uh, yeah, the did, he, did he actually get boys, them? Being boys. <laughs> I, I think so. I think he did. Yeah. Lads, lads, lads. He did. See, see, partly because of that line, and 
everything else. I don't know if anyone else got this, but I thought genuinely, hand in my heart, for most of this until it was explicitly he put the tape in, I thought he was in love with his best friend. Not That's Kira Knightley. Well. When I first ever seen it, I thought that. I did. I, I, I Because I'd, I'd seen the because I'd seen the cue card scene before, like as like a meme and all that kind of stuff, I knew it was Kieran Knightley. It's way so overdone. <laughs> He'd never be in love with like, his best friend in this. It's just straight people. And white people. Straight, and straight. white people and rich. Oh, no, we had that. There was that brief two ladies kissing for like a second at the very beginning of the credits. And then off we went. There we go. That's the inclusion box. That's it. That's <laughs> there the we go. Kick. Right <laughs> Apparently, there was a, a a lesbian relationship in the film as a another storyline, but it got cut. Francis did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There just, you go. Right. I think for, for, for me, Andrew Lincoln's character. Just there's three points about him that I just made me hate the storyline. A, it's your best mate's fiance. Don't go there. That's sacred ground. Don't go there. She just says she doesn't even know him. So why does she love him? Why does he love her? It's it's clearly very superficial, very physical. There's nothing emotional there. And see, and worst of all, he's smug. And I cannot tolerate the fact he's smug about it. I just want to slap him. <laughs> what was the self-preservation thing? Like, you know, he's like, oh, it's just it's a self-preservation thing. What he some distance so that... He was supposed to be in a relationship with um, the lassie that Alan Rickman's a nasty, nasty man with. Mia! Mia. They were supposed uh, to be together. Hate her. I would just like to take this time for my condolences to Greg because, mate, you never stood a chance for that one. And I, I, mm. I, I feel bad for you, mate. But dear I, mean, I, I would argue that I barely even tried. But yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you, you peed into like that. That was that's a fair assessment. Yeah. yeah. I get the best you could for, for sure. For sure, you tried. I did. Like I spent like over two hours scribbling that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hand cramped. It was. Yeah. Okay, we need to move on. We need to move on. So over to me. I've I've saved. I've saved me for last because this is this is the best storyline obviously so you've got to say the best for last for sure um, so i i have karen harry and mia that storyline so emma thompson alan rickman two great actors obviously now this story is a story of a marriage couple with two kids and you can see that the, i i imagine that they have been married for a long time and you then have Alan Rickman's character, Harry, his assistant, Mia, then turns his head and they begin an affair. Now, this storyline is the best storyline, very simply, because of Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson puts in a powerhouse of a performance in the storyline. She is by far the best performance in this film. She puts in the best performed scene in this film. And it's... Very simple. This is a very relatable, unfortunately, a very relatable storyline for a lot of people. And you know it's the best storyline because this is the one that even today in 2020, 17 years later, it's the one that people still talk about and are still upset about. They still feel sorry for Emma Thompson. So the scene I'm talking about is Christmas Day. Now, in the lead up to this, Emma Thompson has expected 
a gold necklace for various reasons of comedy of error type things. Aaron's character, Harry, has got the necklace for Mia and Emma Thompson opens her present on Christmas Day to find the CD and that's when she realises that her husband is having an affair. Now, Emma Thompson in that scene, you can learn everything you need to know about what she's thinking just from her expression. She holds it together for the kids. She goes up the stairs. She breaks down. Brave face back on. Back down. Carries on with Christmas. Fantastic performance. Absolutely brilliant. And head and shoulders above any other performance in this film. And that is why this is the best storyline. I rest my case. I look forward to your answers. I would be inclined to agree with you, Craig. If it were for the fact that you do not do that to Emma Thompson under this roof. No. You do not treat her that way. How dare you do that to Dame Emma Thompson? How dare you? I hate it. <laughs> I hate uh, it. I see your Emma Thompson performance. I raise you, Bill Nye. For me, he's the best performance. She, dramatic chops, yes, entirely. But for me, the most memorable character in this is Bill Nye. My issue with your storyline, Craig, is I don't think there's any real resolution. I don't know where we stand with it in the end. I don't know, one, why she would still be with him. Obviously, you're thinking the kids and stuff like that. But to me, I thought, if he doesn't give her, like the, the, the final scene at the airport, if he doesn't bring her back at least a tiny gift, to me, I'm going, it's left in an ambiguous big, like, where are we? Kiss on the cheek. But to me, yes, Emma Thompson was fantastic in it, but I don't know. I just... I, 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 I disagree, though. I, th- I think the, the ambiguity is what makes it, because that is what life is like sometimes for a lot of families. There's there, a lot of families, that's what happens. You go through some kind of turmoil in a relationship and you stick together for the kids. And I imagine they stuck it out for a good maybe maybe uh, five years until the kids were in secondary school and then it was like, you know, go their separate ways then. And that's the kind of thing that I think is quite good about it in terms of it portrays a kind of real-life scenario in a film where a lot of the scenarios are very outlandish. So I see your point, but I disagree. Like the thing I was also like, see... Uh, oh, no, Paul, on you go, on you go. I was just going to say, <laughs> I see your, your Bill Nye and I raise you one Rowan Atkinson because ah, the man yeah. is in two scenes and he is gold in both of them, particularly when he's with Alan Rickman and he's doing all the gift wrapping. I thought that scene as a little sketch skit was perfect. Perfect yeah. timing. He's desperate to leave and he's just more and more layers to this present wrapping. It was fantastic. So after all this, are we saying that's the best storyline? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> he randomly turns up as like a magician at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> Unley was well, actually, like an angel. I, I wrote down yes, he's he was... supposed to be an angel. <laughs> I was going to say that. I wrote down he's a guardian angel. Like two people. <laughs> Story of eight. If he's a guardian angel, he's shit at his job. <laughs> no, I think he's good. He was trying yeah. to stop Alan Rickman. So I thought, I thought he was doing pretty well. Yeah, and then there was that scene at the end where he dropped an anvil on his head. <laughs> yeah. there, was like, there was no chemistry between Mia and um, Alan Rickman. But there was. it was like, it just... For the first sort of like four or five encounters of them together, it was workplace sexual harassment, and then, yeah. then he's shagging them. What? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? That's that's that's. Ah, uh, oh, I'm so. Is, it, I'm is, right. is, he, is he shagging? You know, even more yes. sorry, Emma yes. Thompson. You know, it's it's, it's it's you know it's, it's what happens. You know, it's, 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 it's real life. It's real life. So, 
On you go. Yeah, so I'm just going to say, let's, I think we need to vote here. I think we need to get going with this vote. So you all get one vote each. You cannot vote for yourself, Sasha. And we <laughs> are going to try and work out what the best feeling of love actually is. So we'll start with the top. We'll start with where we started. So Daniel and Sam, hands up if you're voting for Daniel and Sam, Sasha's storyline. Remind me which actors played those up parts again, please. <laughs> Liam Neeson and a mortal boy. Okay. Okay, Liam Neeson and the vampire. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Moving on to David, the Prime Minister, and Natalie, Paul storyline. No, thank you. Okay, good. Uh, Billy Mac and Joe for Andrew. I said that at the start gets my vote. One, two, yeah. three, four, four. Right. Well. There we go. Well, for that, let's see how everyone else does. So, so it was just for last for the tension. Uh, Jamie yeah, and Aurelia for Joseph. Joseph storyline. I would like to give you a, a point for effort, but it's purely from my own <laughs> store. Uh, it has no value. Van Ash, Ree, John and Judy, Sarah and Carl, either or. Ooh, which one? Which one, Andrew? Both. Which story in particular? Both. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I, and then finally, uh, well, not finally, me as well. Greg, Peter, Juliet, and Mark. No, sir. Oh, wow. I feel bad for him, so I'm voting for Greg because he put a lot of effort in. Hang on, hang on. Do you feel bad for me or do you feel bad for characters? I thought you felt bad. I was like, me? That's a, that's a big U turn from you. <laughs> no, I just he put so much effort into it, and I just, yeah. I'm going to vote. Actually, you already voted. Let's do that. But you did. It was so nice. Every time. I have a whole whole bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a the hard truth is that is what most men want. It's disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> but it is what it's what we're all thinking. We want to go to America. We want to go into a bar. We want to meet four random, not prostitutes, just, just random American girls. And we want to be taken home. We want to have a foursome, fivesome, foursome. And we want to come home and we want to bring one along for our friends. And that is the... Man dream. I thought Paul Christmas everyone. was the man dream to go to American bar and order a Budweiser. <laughs> this will uh, this will be Paul's last appearance on the show. We will we like, we like, <laughs> we like to thank Paul for his time and his efforts on the one hundred. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes in life things don't work out. Who knows? So, <laughs> so, story. so, Cancelled. so, so, <laughs> Finally, over to my storyline for Karen, Harry, and Mia. Any votes for that storyline? No. I'm, I'm not allowed to vote again, so. It's worth a shot. So, we have a winner, a clear winner. Andrew, congratulations. Billy Mack and Joe is the winner. Let us know in the comments. Let us know at 100 Film Reviews on Facebook and Twitter. What is your pick as the best storyline? Do you agree with us? Do you agree with Andrew? Or is it someone else? So, <laughs> so. 
Very quickly, quick fire round now. Is this film a buy, rent, or refund for everybody? Let's start with Sasha. Buy, rent, or refund? Bye. Awesome. Paul? Rent. Care to explain your answer, Paul? Uh, just that I loved parts of this film. I thought it was... Actually, you know what I'm talking I'm talking myself into a buy. I've talked myself into a buy. There we go. <laughs> I loved it. There was a lot of parts in this film I chuckled at. I liked it. Matt, yeah. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. Andrew? I happily put this in my Christmas rotation movies. Yeah. Joseph? Refund. <laughs> Wonderful. Joseph, tell us why. Tell us why. I just, I just didn't like the film. I just did not like it. Bits of it were funny, but overall, just it didn't land well for me. And the only time I would really watch it is if I was stuck on a plane. And it was the only film playing. The art of deception start, it strikes again from Joseph, right? Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Man <laughs> 3, what do you think? Buy that refund. <laughs> refund? Yeah. Um, I actually watched it for free, but I feel like I like the director should have paid me to watch it. I feel robbed. You stole your time. I feel robbed of time. Right then, possibly a very critical vote here. Greg, what do you think? Uh, refund, because you can watch it free every year on TV for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself, like, always in the Greg. Always in the spirit of the game, Greg. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> so oh, over to me then. Okay, I'm going to say bye. Uh, this is my first bye of the season. I'm going for buy. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't sure halfway through, but the film really stuck the landing. I thought it all tied together. I really enjoyed the ending, as I said, with the taxi, and the, you know, all that stuff, and the stage stuff at the end, the drums, the airport, loved the ending. I think that's what made it for me. So buy for me. So that means that it, I believe it's three buys and three refunds and one rent. Four buys. Oh, well, hopefully his answer. Paul changed his answer, yes. So, we are a buy for love, actually. So, again, let us know in the comments at the Film News, Facebook and Twitter. Buy, rent or refund love. Actually, now, now that the film's out of the way, now for why we're all really here, okay? So, here we go. We have been making fun of, I think, Paul Strip mercilessly this season for his lack of film viewing. But... Has he really deserved it? Let's find out in a game we're calling Will the Real Spirit Special Please Stand Up? <laughs> Here we go. I have been looking forward to this all week. I Honestly, I have been looking forward to this all week. I cannot wait. I'm so glad it's finally here. I can't wait to share the results with you. So, so I asked the panel to go to IMDb to go to the top 100 list and to count how many films of that list they have seen. So I'm going to go around the panel. I'm going to ask you to please tell me what you think your order is. How, what order do you think everyone came in? Number one being the person who you think has seen the most films and number seven being your pick as the spirit special of the group. I'll start us off because I've played along as well. I actually answered this before you guys sent me your results. So I put Van Ashree first at number one. I put myself 
second. I was pretty confident. I put Joseph third. I put Sasha fourth. I put Greg fifth. Andrew sixth. And of course, Paul seventh. Now remember, guys, no reactions, please. Let's keep it a secret till the very end. So, so don't give anything away. I'll come to, well, I'll go to Sasha first again. Sasha, what was your order? Okay, first, a person I think I've seen the most is Joseph. Then it was Greg. Then Vinashri. Then Andrew. Then me. Then Craig. And then Paul. I was insulted when she, when she said that to me. I was rather insulted. So, let's move on to Paul. Well... <clears throat> I said at the start of this, always bet on the house. And that's what I'm doing. Because I'm putting myself at number one. Big Polly Smack is at number one, baby. God it's then, in a distant, distant second place, I have Greg. Then I have V in third. Joseph, fourth. Craig, fifth. Sasha, six, and Andrew in seven. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow, guys. All right. Okay. Andrew, you're up next. I feel proper nervous. I feel as if I'm going to be sacked if I'm at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is a test of. Whoever is at the bottom gets sacked. I'm proper back. Right, I put uh, Joseph first, Greg second, Craig third, Ashley fourth, Sasha fifth, me sixth, and Paul seventh. Okay, thank you very much, Joseph. Okay, I have put the host Craig first, then Greg, then Vanashri, then Sasha, then Andrew, then Paul, and then myself last. A gentleman, a gentleman, a gentleman, yes, a gentleman to the end for sure. Uh, Vanashri, tell us. I just want to say, don't take this personally. It's just because of the type of films that are in the top 100. Okay. I love it. I'm going to be so, last in the first again. <laughs> so um, I put Greg, Joseph, then me, then Craig, then Sasha, then Andrew, then Paul. <laughs> okay. And Greg? Uh, I want you to take these personally. Um, <laughs> So I had Joseph first, followed yeah. by our charming host Craig, then myself, followed by Andrew in fourth, Sasha fifth, Vinashari sixth, and Paul for seventh. Oh, so we're all, we're all very, we're all very, very different. But you know what the best part about all this is? There is oh, one wow. there's one person sitting here who knows full well that everyone else on this panel has severely overestimated them. And I can't wait to reveal who it is. So, so here we go. Now then, number one, with 59, a very respectable 59 out of 100 films, is Vanashri. Not far behind. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Not far behind, not far behind in second place with 57 is Sasha. Ooh. Then we jump down to 47. It's me. Okay. I'm quite happy. I, I was pleased with her. I was pleased with her. Then with 44 at number four, we have Greg. 
Now it's getting interesting. Now it's getting interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the tension. Feel the tension, people. Here we go. 40 is the next score. At number five is Andrew. Which means, which means either we have been correct about Mr. Postler all along or the master of deception himself has fooled us, fooled us all into thinking that he is a bona fide cinephile. Has Joseph deceived us all, or is Paul the real spirit special after all? I can reveal that one person scored 30. The other person scored 25. The true spirit special is Joseph Boone. Thank you very much. Was, oh my god, I was in sorry, Paul. What? I Yay! was in shock when he sent me that number. <laughs> I was absolutely in shock. I've had to keep that a secret for a week. I'm going to keep that a secret for a week. So oh, does this I must, I must say, Craig, it's been an absolute joy being on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, you'll find my P45 in the post tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you all. So uh, goodbye. That we had now have to rename the Stirrit special to "You Just Got Booned." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Awesome. Or well, something awesome. to that effect. We'll workshop it later. We'll workshop. It later. <laughs> when I was hey, like, ladies, we're at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, I'd just like to ask, though, Paul, how do you feel? How do you feel at being finally vindicated here? I feel like justice has been <laughs> served. I have been trod upon from the very start, and now finally I get a taste of that sweet, sweet vindication in that lovely sixth place, and I couldn't <laughs> be happier. I'm like one of those contestants on The X Factor that's like up on the chopping block and I have sung my heart out and this time Simon's looking at me and he's going I like that you were so bitter against us all that you thought the rest of us hadn't seen more than 30 movies <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I was, I was in a panic doing the 100 until I hit about 60 and then I got like Spider-Man Endgame, Infinity War, I was like, yeah, tick, 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 tick. My, my thing was, there were so many gangster movies on that, and I'm not a gangster movie guy, really. Yeah. So. There's a lot of westerns <laughs> as well. Yeah. There's a lot of anime, though. How did Joseph... Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the only anime film on there I've seen is Spirited Away. <laughs> yeah. Only yeah. Story 3's on it. Oh no, I've seen Toy Story 3. I keep forgetting that's an animated film. Oh, oh no. Does that it's mean so real. It's, so real. it's so real. It's so real to me. <laughs> right then, guys, thank you so much for joining me on our Christmas special. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure, as always, to speak to you about these films. Love Actually was a great film to talk about as well. Great choice for our Christmas special. As always, we must finish with the life lesson that we can take. And hey, it's Christmas. There's got to be a genuine one this, guy, this time, folks. All right, it's got to be a genuine one. So it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year, everybody. It's been a tough year. But hey, we're almost through it. We're almost on the other side. Just remember, K 
keep looking out, keep looking for it, because I think you might find that love actually is all around. Feel free to book now, Andrew. Feel free to book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap of 2020. <laughs> it's over. We did it. We did it. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for the power much. of editing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off for a nap now. I'm off for a nap. See you on 2021. I don't deny there's some strange evolutionary process going on. But mankind won't be destroyed. The fact that you and I are working here.